This episode of the Golf Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is pre- presented by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to get started today. All right, DJs, welcome back to the Golf Gambling Podcast. I am your host, Steve Shermer, uh, joined along with uh, Matt Gannon, filling in for Boston Capper once again. We're going to do uh, our little memorial betting show tonight. We're going to go over the full card with outrights, positionals. Matt, how you doing? You ready to get this going? Ready to get this going. We did the DFS show last night. It went really well. Similar vibe, but obviously DFS is different than betting, so we're going to have a little different ideas on some golfers, I'm sure. Um, we're going to be on some similar guys, some different guys, but I'm ready to get to it. Yeah, I mean, like, one of the reasons why I like our DFS show is it's not necessarily just, you know, planning what type of lineups I'm going to have, but, like, I like looking at just everybody down the board, and it kind of starts to help plan, like, okay, you know, maybe this is a guy I'm going to bet outright. This is, like, my top 20, top 40 tier. Uh, you know, maybe this is, like, a guy I want to fade and everything. But, yeah, like, this is definitely my favorite show of the week. I love putting together betting cards. I spend way too much time on it. I heard on uh, Tapping Birdie tonight, I was on that show, that you spend – a lot of time on your betting card. Um, you usually finalize right the last minute. Is that, was that the case this uh, this week? Did you go right down to the wire final, finalizing who you bet? Oh yeah, and we're not even we're not even final yet with the outright. So I'm gonna definitely pick, uh, throw some stuff off of you because I have I kind of have like two cards in mind where I'm gonna go. But hopefully by the end of this show, I will have a have it narrowed down. But I have I have most of it set out. But it's kind of I'm, I'm, I'm gonna bounce some ideas off your head. All right, great. Listen, I'm a, I'm a walking encyclopedia for this stuff. So if you oh, have yeah, any for sure. question, I'll come up with some obscure fact or golf course comp that'll probably uh, get you to buy into something. Uh, hopefully, it'll lead you to the right answer. But before we get to the memorial, so Golf Digest today, we talked about this on uh, the podcast I was with the Kirshner. Um, they, they released the hole-by-hole uh, video for Los Angeles Country Club, the site of the U.S. Open in a couple weeks. And this has been a golf course I've been looking at for a couple months. I still am trying to figure out how I want to wrap my head around it because it's just a really wild piece of property. Not much is known about it. There is some stuff that you could potentially watch to get a scouting report. So, um, you know, Matt, did you watch that video or just, I guess, what do you know so far about LACC as we are two weeks for, before the, uh, the third major? Yeah, I did not see that golf digest video, but I did do some prior research on the course. And I just know that it's a uh, fairly penal off the tee. If you miss wide and then it's tight around the greens, like a lot of uh, runoff stuff like that. Am I right about that? I, I didn't do too much research. That was just like a few weeks ago. So I'll definitely dive into it more. But am I in the right headspace for that? You are. So I feel like with some of these fairways and how they're contoured and how firm they are, we might see a little bit of what happened in Chambers Bay where the, just okay. the ball kind of just rolls in some crazy areas where you kind of have to do plan to green strategically where you want to be on the correct side of the fairway. Now they're really wide and you might be able to find yourself in the fairway, but you know, I, I'm one of the videos of the holes. Like there is a giant downslope that just goes way down to the right. And then you're hitting back uphill to an elevated green carrying over a bunker. The green is also very shallow too, but the optimal place is, and it's, it's tough. It's a tough tee shot to get to the proper level of the fairway. But that's the best angle to green. And sometimes we go to golf courses where angles don't really matter. I feel like Jeff Shackelford and Gil Hance kind of put that back into uh, this golf course a little bit where you are going to have to be on the correct side of the fairway to get the best pin. These greens will be really firm, too. Uh, one that's of the I things heard. you can actually do, too, and you know, you're a golf junkie. Uh, do you have the U.S. Open app? 
Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, so, I have all the major apps. I don't delete them. Well, so so well, this is the Roku app. So it's actually called USGA On Demand, and they have like a full catalog of all the USGA videos and broadcasts. So like you can go back and watch US Opens and anything you want. Well, they actually have uh, the 2017 Walker Cup uh, on F FS1 when they were still doing golf, and that was at LACC. And that's actually a really entertaining watch because a lot of guys that we bet on now, like Zalatoris was on the team, uh, Scheffler, Morikawa, Cam Champ was even on that team. Oh, I'm definitely checking that out. Maverick McNeely was on that team. My guy, I love Yeah, like a lot of really big names are on that team. And that's the best I guess, starting point for me looking at this golf course where you can actually see guys play uh, at this place and kind of those challenges you are they're going to have. Um, I think it's also important to watch that tournament too because it's really difficult to get uh, a good gauge of what the proximity buckets are going to be because the greens are or the fairways are really firm. So you're going to get some roll out there. You can't really predict exactly how much it's going to be. There's also a lot of elevation changes to the green too. So that's going to be really difficult to say, okay, this is a 502 yard par four, but if you hit it dead straight down the middle, that ball might be rolling like 340, 350. You might only have about 150 yards into the green, or if it's like 420 up the hill, you might have 175 based on where it is. So that's going to be really tough. Um, but I'm looking forward to the US Open coming up. Uh, do you have any initial leans right now as far as maybe who you want to bet? Or it's, it's a little early. It's going to be. I know I'm betting Patrick Cantlay. I bet before before the majors started. I was Patrick Cantlay's winning a major this year. We're over two, but we got two more left, and we know that the T degree numbers are insane. They're not going to really change too much. I know it's two weeks away, but um, he's he's going to be on the card one way or another. You know that would drive uh, my co-host uh, insane. Probably give him another heart attack if Patrick Cantlay wins because you have the hometown narrative of him going to UCLA and then he went to right. See, he also uh, used to have the course record there before Max Homa got the course record. That also Ooh. would probably drive my co-host insane too. If uh, everybody just bet Max Homa because he got the course record at LACC, of course he wins. So always wins in California, even though the grass types are completely different. But that's a different story. So, all right. So, well, in a couple of weeks, though, uh, we will be talking about LACC and the US Open. But before we do that, we'll start talking about the Memorial and we'll take a quick ad break first. And then we'll start getting to what the good stuff is outright let's bets. Get to it. Yep, there you go. So, uh, before we get to all the outright bets, let's talk about Edge Boost. And this episode is supported by Edge Boost, it's the world's first bet now, pay later Visa card. Edge currently offers up to $2,500 in betting advances, which can be an extremely valuable tool for you. You know, imagine what you can do with just an increased bankroll just available at the tip of your fingers. You know, get down some of your favorite futures without tying up your bankroll for months at a time. And that's especially useful in golf with, you know, you can bet on, you know, all the majors coming up. You can get some money now, bet a couple of those futures coming up. And, yet, and the best part is... You know, it, they charge 0% interest too. And do you know of a way so you can access money to a place, your favorite bets without paying any interest? I don't know. I don't have another place like that in mind. So support SGPN and grow your bankroll by going to sportsgamingpodcast.com slash edge. The site that's sportsgamingpodcast.com slash edge. You must be 21 or older to use. You got a problem gambling? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. Outright bets. And uh, before we get to the outright bets, I'll ask you another question too. So, you know, it's an elevated event this week. You know, we've seen a lot of guys at the top of the board win. Uh, lately, though, we've seen a little bit longer, longer shots win, though. But usually these elevated events, it's been pretty much 50 to 1 or under. And, you know, it's kind of hard to choose at this point. Do you have a little bit of a different process 
trying to, you know, cipher and like, you know, basically segregate out the different types of guys that um, of like, a, you know, a big pool of really talented players you want to bet or you kind of just stick to your general process and maybe go by gut feel. I guess so like what do you change your process at all when it comes to these LA events picking out rights? Yeah, I was actually thinking about that like this week. Obviously, Griot won last week, and I still went with that same strategy. Okay, you got to bet these guys from the top, at least like the sub-20 range. But in the uh, non-elevated events, we've seen guys, at least more more uh, long shots, have be, even be in contention. Like Even at Heritage, there were some more guys that were just had their names on the leaderboard. I know it came down to Cantley, Spieth, Fitzpatrick, but there were just more guys like that had their names up there. So at an event like this, I think you got to go to the top of the board. So I think I'm going to stick with that strategy, but down the road on in these like non-elevated or even lesser events, like Canadian is, is a perfect example next week. I'm going to probably spread it down from like the 30, 30 plus range. But here I think I'm sticking with the top of the board. Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking about this as I was figuring out how I could go on my Wednesday show and throw out Emilia agree was aware and not have them my betting card. And maybe what's going on this time of year. I mean, me personally, I'm not that motivated to watch a ton of golf. Maybe some of these guys, it's, there's a little bit of fatigue after a real whirlwind schedule at the beginning of the year leading up to the masters. That's why we saw just a lot of favorites, even at these weaker fields still win. Maybe there is a little bit of a motivation factor coming into some of that stuff where, you know, you got the U S open. Do you really want to give all your best for a Canadian open or a John D or anything like that? So, you know, I think maybe we will see over the next couple of months or so, uh, maybe some more long shot winners, but I, this week though, um, I mean, I think we have the potential to see one, but like I'm talking like 75 to one or less. I'm not thinking like 150 to one, like we used to see at the Memorial back in like 2013, 2014. Uh, I just think the top of the board is too talented for all that stuff. But I do think based on some of the skill sets that are valued here, where, you know, hitting more fairways can be a little more advantageous than just driving it a long ways and, you know, good iron play, good scrambling. There are some guys down in the odds board where, you know, they're not as talented as some of the premium names, but you can see them winning. Uh, I didn't get there personally with any of those guys, but it gave me some, uh, it gave me pause to consider a little bit uh, some of those names. So why don't I kick it off to you first? Uh, so who's the first guy on your betting card this week for an outright? So it's it's either going to go, it, it, it was, it, my betting card was going to be Xander Shoffley and Roy McIlroy. Okay. And then I saw DraftKings throw a little boost plus 250 to any golfer. You can get John Rahm at nine and a half to one. I could get a John, John Rahm with a Jason Day. So I think I'm going to go that second route. Go John Rahm nine and a half to one. Obviously, as much as win equity as anyone in this field, we know John Rahm's history around this track. I think he's going to come, come to this, come to this golf course with a little vengeance after that poor PGA championship plus the week off Augusta comp, make what you want to make of it. But I mean, John Rahm's no one's going to argue you for betting John Rahm. I think he it's nine and a half to one. is a fine number for him at this point in his career. So I might go that route, but it it's, that's the decision I'm going to have to make. Okay. I mean, I, I guess there, what do you need to guess get pushed in that direction to go John Rahm uh, at this point? Is there any hesitation that you have uh, with doing it other than just the number? It's just a matter of I'm so strict about like betting X dollars per week. So obviously if I'm betting someone at nine and a half to one, I have to wager more than I would at someone 15 to one. So 
do I do the John Rom Jason Day, then I have a room for like a hundred to one guy, or do I do the Rory Xander and then probably Jason Day? It, it's just that now it's I don't know. It's just a decision I'm going to have to make by the end of this show. And how much more win equity at this point does John Rom have than Xander Shoffley and Rory McIlroy combined? Is it worth it? Probably. I mean, it, it probably is. I think considering. I mean, I I. I I think Rom's win equity over Xander is definitely a lot more. I mean, I know Xander yeah. won twice last year, but he just seems like he's been a bridesmaid at a lot of these golf courses. And you look at the Memorial here, you know, no top 10 finishes, just a lot of top 20s because he's really solid in every area, but he's not really elite in any area either. So That's what we talked about last night. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what I was surprised at, I'm seeing Rory at 16 to one at some place and Xander's favorite over him, like 12 to one or 14 to one. Like that's, I, I kind of like, I was tempted to bet Rory at this point um, just because, look, I mean, even though he didn't have his best stuff at the PGA, he still finished T7. The ball striking numbers looked really good on him. He's got some pretty decent finishes here, a couple top 10s. Uh, I think a fifth place finish back like 10 years ago or so. Uh, always consistently kind of in the top 20 mix here. Um, I mean, he definitely is flying under the radar. I have not, I mean, pretty much any name, uh, that anybody's been like a lot of things been picked and thrown out this week. Um, as far as a winner, it's been kind of spread across where I haven't seen a whole lot of Rory McElroy, and that could definitely be a little bit under rate under the radar pick this week, considering I maybe people are just out on him. I maybe the only hesitation yeah. is that he is a little bit of a sprayer off the tee, and that hasn't really done too well here. But it's Rory McElroy at the fourth favorite with all that win equity, it, it is tempting. I that's what I was thinking too. And he, I like the way he rates out at this golf course, even though the results aren't really there for him saying he didn't have his game. He still gained two and a half strokes off the tee and seven on approach last week. There's no reason Rory McIlroy couldn't perform at this golf course. He can perform at any golf course in the world. Is he holding himself back? Possibly because he gets a bit mental at time, but I love Rory McIlroy at, at the most when he is kind of goes under the radar. And that's kind of what we're seeing. So Hopefully by the end of the show, I can make that decision, but splitting between Rahm and Rory McIlroy is splitting hairs, so it's going to be tough, but I, I don't know. I just wanted to bounce those things off your head before I get into it. So where are you going with your first pick? Well, so I, I'm not on any of those guys for outrights. Um, I'm actually not on any of those guys ex other than Xander for positionals either. So, I mean, I, I, think I just like some other guys better. Um, so I started my car with Victor Hovland, a very popular pick. Yeah. I made this pick before I kind of found out what everybody was doing, but honestly, like it's like I've just mentioned, it seems like everybody's kind of thrown around the same or different picks this week. You know, I've seen a lot of love for Xander and some Scotty and, uh, some, a couple, you know, even some, a little bit of Morikawa this week too, but I'm going to start with Hovland, uh, at 22 to one that I got at the beginning of the week. I think you still find him at 20 some places for me. You know, the ball striking just checks out for him. Obviously, a great long iron player, good combination of length and accuracy off the tee, hits a fade. You know, that's really needed. A lot of Jack Nicholas golf courses, they tend to be very fade biased. A Hovland definitely has that. It really comes down to do you just believe that what we saw at the PGA Championship around the green is that going to translate over here? I think it definitely can. I mean, you see a lot of, you know, like fast, undulated bent grass greens. That's what we have the Memorial this week, thick, rough around the green. Tricky bunkers, too. That's what we saw at Oak Hill. I feel like that Hovland, if he can do it at Oak Hill, he can definitely do it here. 
So it's kind of just a leap of faith at that point that if, if that does show up and he just hits the ball like he has been doing, he's been putting great lately too. He should win at this place. And what's been holding him back at the Memorial for uh, other than that workday championship, which was kind of a diet Memorial was his around the green play. So if he's kind of figured that out, I think 22 to one is a pretty good number on him. Uh, Cause yeah. he's been playing. So it, that's where I went number, first. For sure. Yeah, it, I think I think it is, and uh, it, maybe it's a little protecting because I also have a future on him to win the U.S. Open. Maybe it's yeah. kind of protecting that a little bit, but no, I, I, th- I think I think it's a good pick, and you don't have to you don't have to overcomplicate it. P- bet the golfer who's playing good golf. We see Victor Hovland play really good at Oak Hill. He was there last week, but besides a few holes, he's in good form. You can say fatigue, but even don't you don't got to throw out those things. He's playing good golf. Twenty-two to one's a fine number. Victor Hovland's going to win sooner than later. I think that's a very good pick. Yep, uh, definitely. It also helps too that on Data Golf, uh, one of their top course fits was uh, Albany, uh, where he's won twice. So. Oh, where he's won twice. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I mean, like actually, a lot of their course fits. And I talk about this on uh, Tap and Birdie Time with Kershaw. A lot of their course fits the Murphy Village. It's a lot of Florida golf courses where Halvin's had a lot of success. Like Innisburg is actually their top rated course as far as similarity. Concessions number two. Uh, he finished second there. Uh, that. So, that tournament was so fun. I, and that was, I, I actually kind of wish they would bring that back. Uh, yeah. I thought that was, I mean, the golf course is, you know, it's probably not great to play as just amateurs. You and I would get our asses kicked, but I think just seeing professionals play it, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I kind of wish that would come back. That's a Jack Nicholas golf course too. Uh, Sawgrass is highly comped to that place. Albany, obviously. So a lot of golf courses that Hovland has done well at. Uh, he's done theirs. But I, I want to get back to you. So you, it seems like you're pretty dead set on Jason Day, either if you're going to go Rom Day or Xander Rory Day. I guess uh, what do you like about Jason Day this week that makes you want to bet him outright for his second win in three starts? Yeah, that Jason Day, like he's built on – iron play and elite scrambling and that's kind of what you need here as this court golf course uh, on the more forgiving side of elite golf courses off the tee so i think jason day fits that fits that mold to it to a tee and obviously the hometown narrative he's from this spot it hasn't really panned out for him at this golf course he doesn't have the best of results but this is arguably the best form he's been in coming into this track in a few years obviously one a few weeks ago so will jason day win twice in three weeks Probably not, but we've seen guys win multiple times in a season when we don't think they would win multiple times in a season, like Stuart Sink a few years back. I know they were not the same events, but Jason Day's obviously better than Stuart, Stuart Sink. So guys win. Guys win back-to-back when you don't think they would win back-to-backs. Uh, so I, I think it can happen. And I got a, I, I saw a 35-1 to 1 hanging around on a local. It's still there, but he's 28-30 to 30 on other at other spots. I, I think it's a decent play. He's found himself in the top of the leaderboard at elite events. And obviously the PJ championship didn't go his way, but I don't know if you listened to Jason day's interview before the PJ championship, he didn't play a practice round and he didn't see any of the golf course. He just went out there, which he, I guess he celebrated the bar, uh, the Byron win too, too much. Cause he was like living on a high after that week, I guess do what you want to do Jason day. But I thought that was very stupid to <laughs> not play a practice round at that golf course is what it is. Hopefully he's rested and ready to play back at a golf course that he knows very well. Yeah, definitely. I, I would call that uh, to be nice, bold. I think that was the, yeah. use, the term I used uh, when I heard out. Oh, you're you're not going to play Oak Hill that's been completely renovated and is way different than what you played in 2013. Okay, boss. 
I was uh, probably should fade the shit out of you this tournament. I did it though, unfortunately. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, the the case for Jason Day, and I, we talked about a little bit this last night. Is I think this golf course could play really firm and resemble what we saw in 2020, where like they let the golf course just go to complete shit because they were going to put the bulldozers into it a minute after the tournament ended. And Jason Day, like the only memorial he's actually done well at was the one that was essentially an up-and-down contest that week. I mean, Mackenzie Hughes even finished inside the top 10 that week. That's how much an up-and-down contest that was that week. So if that is similar to what it is this week, where, look, I mean, like, it is pretty forgiving off the tee. His iron numbers are pretty good, but I wouldn't call him the best iron player in this field. But if it really is just a contest of getting up and down and draining a bunch of putts, you know, I mean, that's a contest for Jason Day right there. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the case for him. And 35-1, to 1, the number you got it at, considering how well he's been playing this year. Yeah, I mean, can he follow it up again with another win? We'll see, but I think that's a that's a fine pick. So I, I went um, the two. So I bet four guys total. Matt Ricard, uh, Hoblin was twenty two. Uh, I got Terrell Hatton at thirty to one. This is the one guy on my betting card that, like, of the four of them, um, he checks the most boxes. I feel like. I mean, obviously, off the tee, he's been really good this year. He's really improved his driving accuracy, too. That's explained why he's been really good off the tee. Uh, going back ever since the beginning of the year, the iron play has been really good. He's been good from long range as well. Good around the green, good bent grass putter. Only played here once. So it was kind of a mixed performance, but I know he can do well in tough conditions. You know, he won API a couple of years ago. That was a really firm golf course. Fourth there this year. Second at Sawgrass this year. Uh, six out in Phoenix. Um, I think he was fourth or third at Quail Hollow. Um, you know, he rallied from, he could have completely checked out at Oak Hill after like an opening 75 or 76. He ended up finishing yeah. T15 that week. I think his game's in a really good place. Uh, I think considering how well he's been playing this year, I think a win is right around the corner. I like his results. I think he's due. He hasn't won in over two years. Uh, his last one was at the Abu Dhabi HSBC in 2021. I think just based on how well he's been playing, uh, what I'm looking for this weekend, the profile player uh, hat was uh, a guy for me. Do you have any uh, thoughts on Terrell Hatton this week? Yeah, he kind of didn't, he didn't do much for me. He didn't really rate out too up for me, but I have no, and the only reason I didn't really like to give him a deeper look is because I saw a bunch of Hatton and I'm just, I like to be contrarian. Don't hate it. He's great on firm, firm golf courses, difficult golf courses. Very fine play. I can, could could have seen myself getting to Hatton if I didn't see as much Hatton as I did. Oh, look at you being polite. Hey, do like 15, 20 more shows of me. You'll be like Capper and just say he fucking sucks. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't mind Hatton. I've been Hatton a few, t- a few times this past month, so I think it's fair. Look, listen, when you're not on Twitter like I am, you don't see really where the rest of the market is until after you bet and then you start snooping around. I tried doing that. So listen, if he's a popular pick, you know, say let be. Uh, so I, I picked another guy. I don't think this guy's going to be popular, though. Uh, and I definitely feel a little nervous about this guy. I bet Justin Thomas at 33 to 1. And look, like, it's been a long time since he's, I can say he's actually been in the mix for a win. Uh, I actually track a stat going back the last two years that shows when you've been within five of the lead heading into Sunday. I consider that in the mix and being a contender at that point. I mean, so he's got eight of those over the last two years is one of the highest races in this field, but I think he only has like two since the Canadian open last year. It just, he hasn't really been in the mix a whole lot. It's kind of forgotten man at this point. What I like about Justin Thomas this week though, is I feel like over the last couple weeks, I feel like he's close and he's been saying, I think in some of his interviews, he feels like he's close and you can see in some of his results, he before the PGA, 
which I don't really know what happened that tournament. I liked him a lot and he was terrible, but he was starting to drive the ball really well. Uh, he was gaining a lot of fairways too. That's important for this week, being able to drive it pretty accurately. The iron plays started like he was starting to come around a little bit. And what I noticed about Jason Day too is throughout his career, you know, he's been kind of up and down with a putter, but he starts showing a couple weeks of like gaining putting. Sometimes a wind kind of follows after, especially when he's hitting the ball well. And in firm conditions, if this is going to be like an up and down contest this week, I definitely trust Justin Thomas in that where he won a firm uh, TBC Sawgrass a couple of years ago. He won a Southern Hills last year. That was also firm too. So I bet Justin Thomas at 33 to one. I thought, listen, I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I saw a three in front of Justin Thomas's name for an outright bet. Yeah, maybe this is a trip for him. And then in the same vein, I, I think this is popular, but again, this would be kind of like a um, a little bit out of nowhere win, considering he hasn't really been in contention a whole lot lately, too. Hideki Matsuyama, 40 to 1. Uh, obviously, gained like 10 strokes T to green at the PJ Championship, lost a bunch of putting, former winner at the Memorial, too. Again, I think about a lot of times when Hideki has done well at a really firm golf course, uh, that 2020 BMW Championship, the one that John Rahm won at Olympia Fields, you know, Hideki was right in the mix there. Uh, the first couple of rounds at Augusta National, the Masters, he won. That was really firm the first couple of days, too. And again, like just premium iron player, really good around the green. He kind of starting his like course profile fit. It's starting to look a little bit more like Billy Horschel's. He's actually... Like ever since his neck injury, he's lost a lot of power, but he's gaining a lot of fairways now. So that kind of weirdly works at this place now. So I kind of like the profile of Hideki Matsuyama uh, at this place. So any, any thought about those two guys uh, this week? Yeah, Hideki's definitely trending in the right direction, even though that lingering injury's there. The numbers look well. If you didn't, if he didn't have the injury, he'd probably bet a lot more. So as long he's such a weird golfer to bet on because sometimes you'll hear that injury report like. Thursday morning, oh, Hideki is with a trainer, or like his neck feels weird. Or you'll do, or you just won't, and he'll play great. So I don't know. I just usually stay away from a guy like that because I don't know. Just as simply, I don't know how he's feeling. But obviously, his ceiling is as high as anyone. Um, obviously, I can't get to someone in that range because I like uh, Jason Day better, and I think I'm going to go to the top of the board. So, but he obviously is a former winner here that fits the golf course well, great around the green. Hideki, Hideki should play well. Okay. Uh, I mean, so it seems like you're probably ending your outright card like around Jason Day at that point. I'm going to, I'll have room, no matter what, if I go Rom Day, I'll have room for someone like 90 plus. And I think that guy's going to be Gary Woodland. Okay. Um, at, I think I saw 110 on him somewhere. Right. And it's kind of just a, a flop lag thing. He was mega popular at the PGA Championship, burned everyone, and he burned everyone by losing 2.3 strokes on approach. Jason, I mean, Gary Wooden does not lose 2.3 strokes on approach. And when he does lose on approach, he bounces back. He hasn't lost back-to-back weeks since the 2022 Rocket Mortgage. And he's becoming a really good approach player like he used to be in his in his old career. Again, this year, number 10 on tour in strokes gain approach. So I'm sure he bounce back, bounces back here. He's had success on this golf course before. The around the green stuff does kind of worry me and the putting, but he doesn't have to make 25 birdie, birdie putts on this golf course. Just hit green, two putt, or make your birdies on the par fives if you can. So, Gary Woodland, one hundred ten to one, I think is a decent, is a decent play, especially because everyone has been on him for so many weeks now, and they're starting to hop off. I'll, I'll, when that happens, I usually like to hop on. 
Yeah, that would be probably pretty devastating to uh, a lot of people who've been betting Garrett Woodland a lot, and then to be finally off him, and then he he goes off and win. Yeah, I, I think just kind of looking at this odds board here, like that's a good call at about a hundred to one. I think like once you start getting towards Siwoo, Adam Scott, Russell Henley territory on the odds board, that's probably the floor at that point, as far right. as I think who is going to likely win. So if you're going past that, like if you're trying to throw bombs on like Patrick Rogers or like Hayden Buckley or Steven Yeager or Alex Smalley, I mean, just probably bet him positional at that point, but you're right. Like Gary Woodland definitely has the ball striking chops to, to win here, uh, has the pedigree too. Uh, you know, guys who have been kind of longer shots to win, they tend to be more veterans who have a little bit of win equity with them. I mean, Emiliano Grillo uh, is one example. So G- Gary Woodland would definitely fit that criteria there too. I just don't get like why Gary Woodland's priced next to Matt Kuchar and Adam Hadwin. Like, I truly, he seems like he's an outlier in that 101 range. So I'll, it seems like a misprice to me. I'll hop on when people hop off. I think I'm going to go that route now that we talk, the, the, ROM, the ROM route. Okay. All right. I'm glad we could uh, talk that of it or talk you into that. And then uh, our producer in the chat here, he asked, "Would you guys single bullet Scotty this week?" It seems like if you're going to single bullet, it'd be Rom. Uh, would be your pick. Yeah, I mean, Rom and Scotty are the same. If that, I said, I'm bidding. I'm betting this Rom because I got. If, if I'm able to get a nine and a half to one with that boost, that's the only reason I'm doing it. And if Scotty was the other way around, if Scotty was, if I was going to able to get that nine and a half on Scotty, I would do the same with Scotty there the same for, for me basically. And I would definitely, I could definitely single, single bullet Scotty. Scotty. The only reason I would push back is if you bet Scotty with like four more guys, I get so mad when people do that. Cause it just doesn't make sense when you're betting in eight to one with two other guys, 14 to one, like it's not a betting card. You're doing it the wrong way. <laughs> no, so it would that's, be. That's, that's just, you know. Yeah. If it, it would be, if you're adding people to your card, it would be Scotty and like, Woodland and like like guys over a hundred exactly where it's like exactly. it's chump change to like just do that but yeah like I I think of the two um I mean I think I just prefer Scotty just because of just what he's doing and like it like what he is as a player now is like the recipe to do well at this place where a lead iron player a lead around the green you've seen guys who have struggled at this place can putt well here. Um, it probably is Scotty for me, but I just chose to pick four other losers uh, down the card and to give me a little bit more of a sweat. So, yeah. all right. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's our outright. So uh, glad you can come to a decision with that. Let's take another quick ad break and then we'll start going over some matchups and positionals and all that other stuff. And before we do that, uh, let's talk about our NBA finals and Stanley cup final contest. We got two more free contests for you guys uh, for both the Stanley cup and the NBA Finals. So you can only enter exclusively on the SGPN app. It's got, you know, you can bet your series props and game props. And if you do that all correctly, you get a $100 SGPN gift card uh, for each contest. So download the SGPN app and enter today. All right. Um, before we get into positionals, uh, why don't we get into some matchups? Uh, I, I have a notoriously terrible track record with matchups. So usually these ones are actually not ones I bet. Uh, but I tend to find some ones I like. And if you actually fade these, then you usually do pretty well for yourself. But I always come with pretty good logic behind a lot of mine. So at least the argument sounds good until it just blows up my face. So um, why don't I start with you first? Uh, what's the first matchup you uh, you like this week? Uh, yeah, John Rom plus 105 versus Patrick Cantlay. Truthfully, 
why is if you're giving me John Rom versus even money versus anyone that's not named Scotty Scheffler? I'll take it, and I don't even have to have a good reason for it. If John Rom loses as an underdog and Patrick Cantlay, fine. We know Patrick Cantlay's track record on this golf course, but if there's anyone who can compare to it, it's John Rom. Why is he an underdog? He's higher in the betting, uh, lower in the betting odds, and I just don't get the I just don't get the line. So plus one hundred five, John Rom. Yeah, that that seems like a big overreaction. I think to one bad performance from Rom at the PGA Championship and Cantlay, where listen, he finished what top ten that week, but he was. I mean, I saw it firsthand. He was pretty bad for three rounds, and only just when the weather got good, he backed toward a top 10. So, yeah, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. I, I definitely would probably just blindly take Rom. Plus, my, it's similar to the first matchup I, I looked at that popped up. So, I found Rory McElroy plus 110 against Xander Shoffley. And look, like, again, some of the same arguments there oh, where yeah. Xander is in really good form, everything checks the boxes. But it's Rory McIlroy, and objectively, Rory McIlroy is a better golfer than Xander Shoffley. I know my co-host sitting on the couch right now, maybe listen to this, uh, would disagree. Uh, but it's true that Xander is a better golfer than Xander Shoffley over the course of his career. And Rory has had a really good track record at Mirfield Village, too. Actually better than Xander Shoffley has been. Xander's never finished inside the top 10 here. Uh, Rory's done it at least three or four times. So I'll just blindly take Rory McIlroy plus 110. Over Xander at that price. I mean, I like Xander this week. He's going to show up my betting cards some other place, but where matchup goes, I think just getting plus money on him uh, is the way to go. So, all right, what uh, what's the second matchup you like on your card? This uh, week? Tom Kim minus one twenty five versus Sahithigala. Okay, I don't love Sahithigala when you got when it when wild drives really penalize you, and that can happen on this golf course. Tom Kim has been awesome. Tita Green He's kind of struggled on the putting green. But like I said, you don't have to make 25 birdies on this golf course. A little bit of rough putting you can get away with. So I just basically, we know Tom Kim is going to be playing out of the fairway and hitting, hitting more greens than to hit. So you can get in trouble around this golf course quick. So that's basically when we're going to go. Minus 120 versus to hit the gala, Tom Kim. Yeah, and based on what you talked about last night, Tom Kim is essentially Kyle Morikawa. So it's the same player. Yes, yeah, same same player. I, I ran that by Ryan Kershaw. He wasn't quite sold, but... uh I definitely did you, did you sell it, but did you sell it to him? I, I, I don't think I sold it to him, but I definitely feel what you're, uh, you're seeing. If you dive into the stats over the last like five, six starts, Kyle Morikawa has met Tom Kim. You have here, you heard it here first from uh, my astute co-host here. Um, so I went for my second matchup. Uh, I went Hideki Matsuyama minus one Oh five or Jordan Spieth. I mean, obviously last week, Jordan Spieth looked really lost at colonial place. He should do really well at, like I thought last week, considering he, he gained so many strokes ball striking at the PGA, that was just translated colonial. I guess the wrist injury is fine. Turns out it isn't. Uh, I didn't really like the quotes that I heard from Jordan Speed before the tournament where he said this is kind of going to be a week-to-week thing. It's also an injury that he could potentially make worse. And you kind of look at his profile for here. Like he sprays it off the tee, not very accurate. He's been struggling a little bit around the green too lately. So I'll just take a guy, Hideki Matsuyama, who I like a lot for this week, um, that I feel like is a little more consistent to green what Spieth is, especially with the wrist injury. Uh, and I'll take him as a slight underdog over Jordan Spieth. So, all right, what's your uh, third matchup on your card this week? It's going to be a Shane Lowry over Sam Burns. Uh, Shane Lowry is coming off of an awesome week, Teeter Green at the PGA Championship. Well, Sam Burns, another good finish at a Sam Burns golf course, but he did that 
all around the green. You think he finished sixth last week at Colonial, but he gained like five plus shots around the green. And that's not really a recipe for success. The last time we saw Sam Burns on a difficult golf course, what did he do at Oak Hill? He shot like a million over par. So I'm going to just go with Shane Lowry. who's had some success uh, at this golf course. He finished in the top 10, I believe last year or top 15, something like that. And he's got uh, two straight made cuts 30th the year before that. So Shane Lowry over Sam Burns. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I, I, one of the reasons I really like Sam Burns as a type of golf course is the guys who really spray it all over the place get in trouble a lot here. And that's Sam Burns, unfortunately. So, you know, even though on data golf, Innisbrook is the number one comp course, this place, that one is more, a little, I think, a little more forgiving as far as, you know, the driver Agreed. goes. Where here, like, there's a lot of penalty areas that you won't be able to get away with it. Uh, my third matchup is actually fading another sprayer. Um, I'm going to take Cebu Kim minus 110 over Wyndham Clark. Wyndham Clark does not have a very good track record here. Two cuts in a T37 finish. Cebu's been really good here. Uh, three straight top 20 finishes. And just Wyndham Clark, like, again, like, I know the ball striking numbers are really good for him, but sprayer off the tee. Uh, I just don't really like that combination here at uh, this golf course. We kind of saw it similar to Sam Burns at Oak Hill, where couldn't really get away with that too often. Uh, Wyndham Clark didn't do all that good. Uh, in fact, he actually missed the cut uh, at the PGA and lost a lot of strokes off the tee. I expect the same thing to happen to Wyndham Clark again this week. So I'll take Siwoo Kim minus 110 over Wyndham Clark. So, all right. I like that. There you go. Let's move on to the positionals. Uh, so before we get into it, so I, I'm assuming like knowing you, you bet you back up all your outrights with top five uh, bets, right? Yep. Every week. And do that again. Can you explain the kind of uh, the audience why you like doing that? Yeah. So when I started betting golf, I just had that, that realization that we all have, damn, I feel like I always have so many runner ups and everyone says it like, Oh, another runner up third place finisher. And I was like, I wonder what would happen if I started betting all my guys top five and tracked it. I started track. I went back and tracked it. The math checked out. I was like, I think I'd be up doing this. I did it. And I've been doing it for the last five seasons. I mean, the last two seasons. And it's been awesome. I'm way, I, way up in top fives. So I think honestly, if you did it or if you're just a golf better and you have that same problem, like, damn, I always feel like I'm getting so close because it's so hard to hit an outright winner in golf betting. Like, you only need to hit X amount of winners to a year to profit. But if you do it, if you do this on a weekly basis, you know that, damn, I'm so close every damn week. I've just got to get one. So I started betting all my guys top five. And usually you can get the top five numbers about a fifth of the outright odds. If you get it on a good book, if you're on a local, sometimes they pay in full too. So I think, I think it's a great way to bet golf. Just back up all your outrights with top five and you can get some, even those long shots, they sometimes will have a backdoor top five. Like I've hit plenty of 20 to 30 to one top fives, just like in like those Puerto Rico opens and stuff like that. And sometimes my biggest gambling weeks, weeks, I don't even hit an outright. I'll hit like two to three top fives and they'll just pay super heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean like the odds on some of those top fives are pretty good. I know that when um, data golf used to have, they used to reveal their betting cards. They did a lot of top fives and, you only really needed one or two of those to cash, where we could, you know, you'd be up a lot. Uh, I'm a little more conservative with my betting card. I tend to mostly hang around more of the top twenty, top forty market. Uh, I've just I've been burned too many times by trying to really, you know, do that stuff. But listen, you're young. Uh, you're looking for the thrill, and it obviously it works yeah. for you. So, and then that's the thing. Like there isn't one way to bet on golf. Stick no. to a system that you're really comfortable with, uh, and it be and you be successful. You know, just you know, definitely a lot of ways to uh, skin a cat. So. Other, so other than, all right, so you're going to go Rom, Day, Woodland, top five then. 
Uh, if those are guys you're going to bet outright this week. Uh, do you have any other positionals on your card? I don't, but I can give you a look that I think I think is a good play. I'm gonna. I, I think Cam Young, T10 at plus three thirty has some has some real value on it. He was one of the first round leader. I don't know if he was solo first round leader, but he was one of them last year. Mm-hmm. And then obviously he was fine over the first two days, and then shot Sam Burns at Colonial. I mean Sam Burns at Oak Hill on Sunday. He shot like an eighty five on Sunday and just blew himself up, blew his positionals up, everything like that. So I think he is a decent play to finish in the top 10. We know how talented his game is and his numbers are slightly falling and they're falling quick. I know you don't, it's not a peak cam young, but you're not, you wouldn't get him at a good price if you, if he was at a peak form. So by the dip cam young top 10 plus three thirty. Yeah. I mean, we kind of talked about that last time with the DFS show that his ownership is really low and listen, Cam Young is a super talented player. And, you know, I, I can recall a bunch of times you said one last, uh, uh, last night about how everyone was kind of out on him for the open championship where, Oh, bomber, that doesn't really fit the narrative. And he almost won the thing. Um, yeah. I know that people are out on him for the heritage last year and he finished top three there. Cause again, like yeah. you think that would restrict him. Obviously, the first two rounds here last year did really good. Just fell apart on Sunday. I even remember earlier this year where people were out on him going into Bay Hill, and he just ended up playing really well, really low ownership. So, you know, I think this definitely is a spot uh, to maybe buy low on Cam Young, especially with some of the odds there. I didn't, it didn't make it on my card this week. Uh, I kind of focused more about like my you know cookie card template guys. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I definitely like that play too. Uh, if I had a little bit more balls, I think uh, I put it on the yeah. card. So, so uh, all right. So there's only one top ten, and this is more kind of a gut call. Just as I started thinking about it, I looked more into what happened last week. So let's talk about Kyle Morikawa. I know I talked about negatively about him last night, but so he started the tournament plus five and ended even. So he was five under through his last uh, sixty three holes and he was seven over on hole number nine alone. So if he just didn't screw that hole up, I mean, he's second in that tournament. And when you look at it that way, I mean, I know that sometimes like we, that's cherry picking like, Oh, if you take away everybody's bad holes, but like what it like, that's strange to me that one particular hole, he was seven over and the rest of the rest of the holes and the golfers, he was seven under on. And now he's coming back to Murfield Village. I also think this is just put up or shut up time for him where he has not played well for a while. He's got the U.S. Open coming up. Like he's got to start getting some positive momentum going for him. And I think this might be a get right spot for him. So I found a top 10 on him plus 250 considering how good he is. This golf course is not dead heat either. So um, this is maybe a little bit of FOMO, but Morikawa top 10 plus 250. I think we're going to get a good showing out of him this week uh and then i spent a lot of my card on top 20s like i usually do uh we'll start ricky fowler top 20 plus 150 i mean nine of his last 11 starts have been inside the top 20 that's all he's been really doing so why not get something a plus money for a guy that's always been doing and if he wins this week say lovey uh i think he's a popular outright i'll at least have some skin in the game on him i like his what he brings to the table this place too iron play has been really good really good around the green um you know, the good dry percentage stat on him is really ugly, but I think most of that's kind of last year data. He's actually been hitting more fairways this year, showed a little bit better control of the tee. So and he's got some decent performance here. So plus uh, plus one fifty for top twenty for Ricky Fowler. Uh, I also went top twenty on plus uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick at plus one sixty five. I thought that was a good price considering the type of player he is. Doesn't seem like he's getting a whole lot of steam. 
And again, we talked a lot about where if you're like Jason Day this week, if this is going to be kind of a firm up and down contest with really you know tough scoring conditions. I mean, Matthew Fitzpatrick definitely fits the bill too. I mean, he gets up and down really well. He's re- really good with his long irons, a uh, good bent grass putter too. Uh, I guess what concerns me about him where I don't really want to bet a little more on Fitzpatrick and be a little more aggressive is like his driving accuracy definitely seems like it's gone away a little bit. So I can see that being a problem for him. But I mean, if he is clubbing down a little bit more at this turn because it is going to be firmer fairways and there are, it's more positional at this place. Um, considering how well he is getting up and down, um, I think he finished third at that 2020 Memorial too. I think a top 20 on him for Matthew Fitzpatrick is very reasonable, plus 165. Uh, I also bet top 20 on Russell Henley, plus 180. Kind of fits the template of what I'm looking for as far as like a Billy Horschel type. He almost fits that mold to a T, where short off the tee, but pretty accurate, good around the green. The iron has been really good. He's had some a couple good finishes here. He's coming in decent form as well, so I'll take a top 20 to him, plus 180. And then Siwoo Kim, top 20, plus 190. Three straight top 20 finishes here. Uh, the ball striking number has been really good on him. Really accurate off the tee, too. Uh, pretty good on some of these southeastern Florida golf courses. That's been a lot of comps to this places as far as guys doing well there and done well here. Uh, so those are the top 20s. I also found, um, I mean, so I could bet top 20 and Adam Scott at plus 250. I have found a top 30 at plus 140, though. So I'll get 10 extra places on him at plus 140. Be a little conservative. I took that too. I just really like Adam Scott. I think his iron play has really done very well this week or uh, the last couple of tournaments. Really good at this place. Kind of good on the, some of these positional tracks as well. So I'll take him. And then some top 40 plays. Uh, ben on top 40 plus 125, coming in decent form. Uh, good course history here too. Uh, Alex Smalley has been on fire tee to green lately. Top 40 plus 160. Uh, Kevin Streelman off a good performance at Colonial has some good history at Murfield Village. This kind of fits his game as far as, you know, accuracy in the fairway matters, pretty good around the green, decent iron play. That fits him. Uh, I can get two to one on top 40 for him. And then lastly, uh, because I've been kind of slumping a little bit and I just need to see some balls go with the hoop a little bit. So you can parlay top 20s. And this is always kind of a dangerous recipe. Where? Fandle? On FanDuel. So look, Scheffler is going to finish inside the top 20, right? Just he is. So, yeah, and so Rom. You could do that as an option too. So I, but I picked Scheffler because I just feel like it's just, it's going to happen. So I wanted, I I just feel like I should have some sort of Patrick Cantlay or Xander on my card somewhere because their floors are so high. So you can parlay Scheffler and Cantlay together for a top 20 plus 105. Basically, if you just think Shuffler's going to finish inside the top 20, Cantley's top 20 price is way better than the juice you would pay. And you can also parlay Scheffler and, and Xander together for a top 20 plus 130. So those are the two biggest bets of the week on my card. I just feel like I just need to get some wins because I've been slumping a little bit. May has given me a little bit of momentum uh, heading into a pretty crucial uh, part of the year with uh, the U.S. Open coming up. And I'd like to start uh, getting back to where I was at the beginning of the year. Uh, just making a lot of money <laughs> every single week and right. you know bring out of this slump. So uh you got any other bets that uh you made this week? No, I'll throw out one prop. i th- I think Scotty Scheffler's sixteen to one first round leader is a decent decent look just because of coming off of that colonial where he was one short guy out of the playoff. He missed like seven five foot putts. He's really good in round ones. He actually leads the tour in round one scoring, which is 
a picky stat, make what you want to make out of that. But has great success here, gained three and a half strokes putting on this golf course last year. So I think it's a bit of like, let's fucking go after what he did on Colonial last week because he should have won that golf tournament and he knows it. So I think he's going to come out hot. Uh, 16 to one, decent price on, on a six to one golfer. I wouldn't, wouldn't say it's a make or break play, but just throw a little coin on it if you want some Thursday sweat. Yeah, why not? I mean, if 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 the outright number is too short on him, goes sixteen to one, he gets off to a good start. Even it's dead heated, uh, you know, with another guy, it's about the outright price anyway. So yeah. there you go. So all right, well, that's uh our betting cards for this week. Uh, Matt, you got any parting words before we get you out of here? No, I think that is. I think that's it. Good two days of potting, and we'll have one more show. To, I'll have one more show tomorrow night. I'm not sure if you have another one. You might have another one tomorrow, right? Yeah, I'll have, uh, after this, I'm going to do my one and done video, uh, and then I'll do a final thoughts uh, video where I just kind of wipe the slate clean and give out what I would do with my betting card if I hadn't bet anything by Wednesday night. And hey, look, I mean, that would have got the winner last week, so maybe I can do it two weeks in a row. Well, Golf Gambling Podcast has as much content as anyone in the entire world. We're doing so much. I got narratives tomorrow. Steve's been crushing it. Capper's been crushing it while he's here. He'll be back sooner than later. And Cam's in the back doing a lot of hard work. So we're doing good stuff over here. Appreciate you guys for watching and definitely excited for the weeks coming up. Yeah, Cam is definitely the hardest working producer uh, we have on the network for sure. So uh, with that, Matt, thank you for joining me this week. Uh, we'll probably have you again on next week. I can't imagine Capper's going to be uh, ready. And we'll break down yep. the RBC Canadian Open, uh, a mystery golf course again. Maybe I'll do mystery what I did with Oak Hill and do another hour and 40 minutes on every. You might level. have to, yeah. I'm a, I've been scouting it out a little bit, uh, just high level. It looks really similar to the ones we've saw the last couple of years, St. George's and Hamilton. So, so not a not a ton of di- yeah Rory's in the field probably three time winner not a ton of difference there's a lot of elevation changes though I'll go over it but yeah it looks very similar to what we saw nice golf course though so excited uh, yeah we'll so we'll see what happens and then uh yeah maybe we'll do another hour video where I give out the winner at the end and then not bet it because that's just what I do classic there classic. you go so all right well thanks for joining us this week uh, enjoy the memorial good luck with your bets and we'll see you for uh, the Canadian Open next week.